Welcome to episode 116 of On The Schmooze. Let's do this. Welcome to On The Schmooze, the podcast that highlights talented people from different fields, explores how they built strong networks, and overcame challenges on their way to becoming successful leaders. Now here's your host, Robbie Samuels. I've been a professional speaker for nearly a decade, and I'm best known for my focus on strategic and inclusive networking. My first paid speaking opportunity was not that topic, though. It was a fundraising training for a national board of directors at their DC retreat. I realized that sharing the steps of how to make the ask was not going to be enough if these board members felt anxiety just thinking about asking for money. So I led them through a quick exercise to help them shift their mindset become more open to the possibilities. I asked them three questions. How do you feel about asking for money or fundraising in general? How do you feel when you're giving money to your favorite charity? Generally, the answers to the first question were, uh, dread it, hate it, like I'm begging. And answers to the second question were, good, great, like I'm making a difference. Then I asked, What's the number one reason people don't give? The answer, they were not asked. That's when I pointed out that if you don't kick yourself out of the way and let the cause talk, you are denying your friend's happiness. This always gets a chuckle, but also begins to break down the enormous barrier many have in their minds that prevents them from seeing fundraising as a way to create stronger connections between an organization and their supporters. It's this kind of mindset shift that's necessary before any step-by-step guide can be fully effective. Whether I'm speaking or coaching about fundraising, networking, or relationship-based business strategies, the first step has always been to address what is holding my client back from reaching their full potential. Your challenge for this week. Ask yourself, what will happen if you don't move past whatever is holding you back? That's a real question. If you are comfortable where you are and not able to find the motivation to grow your business to the next level, you will not get more, will not have a greater impact, and will continue to work hard for every dollar you earn. There's also the psychological drain of saying you want something to change and then not making any progress. Over time, this erodes self-confidence and makes it even harder to try again. Don't let that happen this time. The MORE program for entrepreneurial women will help you remove internal and external obstacles so you can achieve your goals through relationship-based strategies. There's a 90-day sprint to help you get clarity about your strategic next steps and then 90 more days to help you implement your vision. Just four women in each cohort and the next one starts in January. Learn more at robbysamuels.com forward slash more. Sign up and start making progress on your audacious goals. Now, on to this week's show. Today's guest is passionate about helping people reach their highest potential. She's an award-winning diversity expert, a proven thought leader, an author, and a trend-setting businesswoman who is dedicated to increasing diversity in the technology industry. By teaching candidates to think more strategically about their careers, she helps them accelerate their personal and professional development. She is the president and CEO of The Tech Connection, a premier marketplace for purpose-driven, diverse technical talent. Recognized as a leader and mentor, 
At the root of her work is a passion for community service. On top of running her business, she is the founder of the first ever Black Tech Boston Meetup, a platform to celebrate and introduce the impact of technology within African-American communities. She regularly engages in speaking opportunities to encourage innovation and entrepreneurship in minorities and receive the U.S. Presidential Service Award for her relentless commitment to the community. Please join me in welcoming Melissa James. Aw, thank you so much for having me, Robbie. appreciate it. That lady well, sounds wonderful. She sounds <laughs> great. Tell me more about her. <laughs> I want to hear more from her as well. I um, did not anticipate any of those things happening in my career, but happy to it's share. It's true. And that U.S. Prudential Service Award, that kudos. That's oh, pretty awesome. You. Well, thank you, Melissa. Thank you for joining me from your office uh, right around the corner in Boston, Massachusetts. Uh, love talking to my local peeps. So as you know, this is a podcast about building strong networks and leadership. So tell me, what does leadership mean to you? And when did you realize you had the skills to lead? Well, leadership means to me, and it's defined and evolved over time. And now as a manager of a team of seven people, I realize leadership requires you to really be able to coach more than anything. I really hate the term manager now. Um, I really think that people need to be thoughtful about how are you a good coach to your team every single day? Um, Because I think people get confused. Some days you need to be a cheerleader. Some days you need to deliver really hard messages. And leadership knows the difference between the two um, and takes that time to really understand like what's that specific message that someone needs to hear today? And what's the vision that we're trying to accomplish and the quickest strategy for us getting there? Leadership is very complex, in my opinion, and I think there's just so much that goes into it. So it's about being a coach that has a strong vision, strong work ethic, and exemplifies like how do we get all of our team members to add value in their unique and special ways um, to help us accomplish a really big dream or vision that we have with one another. So leadership is all about how you can be a good coach. Yeah, I like that. Uh, I like that perspective. And it sounds like it's evolved as you've had to take on leadership in different ways. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what were sort of the earliest moments that you realized that you had it in you to be a leader or maybe someone else saw that in you? Were you, were you like doing this kind of organizing of people and coaching people like on the playground in high school, <laughs> in the office? Like, well, if you were to ask my parents, they would say that probably my first sign of leadership was when I was like a kid. I used to walk around the house um, during the election period and be like, we're going to decrease taxes and make it fair <laughs> for all kids to have the same access to opportunity. I'm probably dating myself. You can get wow. to guess which president uh, I was talking about. But you know, back then, I was like three or four years old walking around having these conversations with my parents. So like, if you were to ask them, they'd go back to that moment in time. But if you were to ask me, I didn't realize that I had uh, true leadership capabilities and still, until I was in college, I participated a lot in um, the university programming council. I really enjoyed that quite a bit. I got to learn so much about what it entails to have an idea, how to plan an event, how to bring people together, how to curate special moments. And I think that was a really big life-changing moment for me because I realized how much community means. Mm-hmm. Um, and through those events that I was hosting, it was obviously bringing together community at UMass Amherst. And then I later realized that almost everything that you do in business is all about building community. So it was one of the best skills that I ever learned while I was in college was event planning and seeing what would get people to come out. And I had many successes. I had some failures, but I think, you know, it really taught me about like, this is what building a business or building a dream is all about is building that community that goes behind it. I think that you and I share a superpower. 
Oh, so really? I was at an event the other day for Women in Technology International, which you should have oh, been yeah. at. And oh I, my God, I would have loved that. I know. I'll, I'll introduce you. I think you'd like these people a lot. So mm-hmm. I did the closing keynote and the woman who did the opening uh, sort of welcome, she said, everyone stop for a minute, close your eyes and think about what your superpower is. And then she said, okay, oh, when you meet people, that. I want you to ask people what their superpower is rather than, you know, what do you do? And so my superpower, and I think yours too, is convening people. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, creating those, I, I like the curating special moments. Like that's such a great phrase. Like that consciousness that it's not just people are in a room, but there's something that you have to do to help them actually connect and engage. Mm-hmm. And you and I met at an event. You and I met at Young uh, Black Women's Society event. You had me mm-hmm. come speak. It's going back a while. <laughs> yeah, totally. And I mean, I think those are like moments that I remembered. And we were just talking about that, that like, I've known you for almost seven years now. You came in, you did this workshop and I was completely blown away. And I talk about the Irish moves all the time because I don't think people realize how important it is to build long lasting relationships and like how they come full circle and how they can be helpful to you. You just never know. And that that moment is something that has always stuck in my mind. I often think of you as just as you shared with me earlier before getting started with the show. Like, uh, you know, you think of me and I think of you because that moment was just so special in my career. It was pivotal because I was just getting started, just getting into the workforce. And I didn't even know like what networking was, how best to do it. But like, I guess if you were to ask my friends and I'm channeling some of them um, right now, they'd say like, oh my gosh, Melissa, you're so good at networking. Like, how do you know how to do this? And I'm like, no, I went to Robbie's workshop <laughs> and we talked about the art of the shoes and that was really helpful. So I think those are some of the gems that I learned from you that I use every day. Yeah, well, you had some true talent because uh, <laughs> clearly you were already bringing people together, building community, and that that's been you know really important uh, part of this, which is again you know, the U.S. Presidential Service Award. That's a great, great honor to to receive for the work that you've been doing and to be recognized that way. So w- when you and I met, you you know you were still getting your feet into like the the workforce. You were not planning to get in that moment to get into entrepreneurship. You were. You were in the career track of being in corporate and you ended up there. You ended up in a great job. Yeah. And like, that's not exactly where I thought I would be. I had, you know, I grew up in an immigrant household. I thought my first job would be a lawyer. I had done everything to be going to law school Mm. and, you know, putting all my ducks in a row. And then I graduated in 2010 with a thought process of like, hey, I'm going to go to law school next. And then it was the middle of the recession. Um, And in my mind, I thought, oh, my goodness, the recession's going to be fine. Next year, I can go to law school. I'll take a year off. I'll do a year of AmeriCorps. And it never got better. So for me, I went and worked at a small startup called Sample 6. Um, Sample 6 was then looking for an office manager. Um, someone to cover human resources, finance, and operations um, at the time. And I thought to myself, well, I don't know much about business. Mm-hmm. So maybe I should just give this job a try. And to be honest, I actually didn't want that job at all. It was my boyfriend at the time that convinced me to take it. Uh-huh. Um, so I had gone in for the interview and I was like, oh man, the hiring manager was super cold. He was very stoic. I was like, this is not the right environment for me. I'm not really sure. But I really liked the person that interviewed me. She was a former office manager. And I was like, I don't think I got this job. But there's no way. And I ended up walking to my car. Literally, by the time I got to the parking lot, I got a call from the recruiter like, Melissa, you just nailed your interview. <laughs> That's amazing. They're excited. They want you to start on Monday. And I was like, what? I don't even know if I want this job. So for me, you know, going into entrepreneurship was like, 
such a sporadic moment. I wasn't planning on it. I wasn't thinking about it. And I had called my boyfriend after the time, told the recruiter, like, listen, I hear what you're saying. That all sounds great. Let me think about this a little bit more. I call my boyfriend at the time and I tell him like, hey, I got the job and I don't think I'm going to say yes. And he said to me, and I, it's something that, you know, I, I always remember in moments when I get scared. He goes to me and says, Melissa, you have an opportunity to learn from really smart people. Mm-hmm. They've worked really hard to get this business to where it is. At that point, they had $7 million in the bank. They were in their Series A. It was a spin out from MIT and Harvard. Why don't you just go and learn from them and just do it on like a temp basis? Do it and just see if you like it. Give it three months. Give it six months. And I ended up staying for two and a half years. It was wow. one of the best experiences that I ever had in my life. That stoic manager that I saw during the interview ended up being the best manager I've ever had. Wow. So this is this is so interesting. I want to unpack this because I think people come to these crossroads in their life all the time. And you fortunately got some great counsel <laughs> to help you see the value of this opportunity. But it also sounds like it pushed you outside your comfort zone, outside Absolutely. your known plan, like what you expected for yourself. And yet that's the best place to learn. Absolutely. And I was so lucky for that. Like, you know, I remember my, you know, first day walking into sample six and literally my manager, Michael Perez, and I tell the story all the time. So he knows I speak very fondly of him. Mike handed me at 21 years old, an unlimited Amex and keys to the office and said, don't burn down the place. And I was like, what? This is not okay. Why are you trusting me? With all of this, uh, you know, with all of this and unlimited Amex, like I could have ran to the store and bought a Bentley. What are you thinking? And he was just like, no, I trusted you. And I was like, wow, what? how is yeah. that possible? And I guess those are the moments where I was like kind of shy, I guess, in my leadership. Maybe he saw something in me that I didn't see within myself. Um, mm-hmm. And I was just really lucky to have him. Um, and that's how our relationship developed over time. Like he would constantly see things in me and give me uh, projects to do that were well above um, what I thought I was capable of doing. And um, that's really how I got to learn so much. So going outside of my comfort zone um, was something that, you know, I constantly do in my career. Um, and I think I've made it a habit, to be quite honest, um, mm-hmm. because I think there's just something about exploring this unknown um, area of growth and trying to figure out, like, how do I go from step one to step two? Yeah, well, and, and in that way, you've carved your own path forward. Um, and, and you've met amazing people along the way. So here's, here's where I want to, I want to know kind of more about what you're doing today with the tech connection, but instead of asking you like the, what do you do question? I want to ask you, what do you find most rewarding about what you do today? Mm, That's a great question. So what I find most rewarding, I always love hearing the stories behind our candidates. So we help diverse candidates think strategically about where they go in their career. And often um, when they come to us, they're looking for a new job or looking for another position. What I love about tech candidates in particular is that they usually come to us because they're feeling like I'm missing a sense of belonging. I'm missing a sense of purpose. Help me figure this out. Um, so we have uh, a very thorough way in which we help them identify like more about their personal strengths, what they're naturally really good at, and then we align them to company environments that make sense for them. Um, you know, I'm very much so about a strength-based approach to hiring. Um, I think it's important to put people um, into positions that they're going to excel in, um, and that's what we do at Tech Connection. So when candidates come to us, you know, they're often feeling really like 
insecure, they're feeling sad, they're feeling depressed, they're feeling like, what am I doing with my life? Uh I'm not doing things well. And what we want them to experience is that like, that's not true at all. You've done actually a lot of really great work. And a message that we send to our candidates every day is that, you, you know, when you were in college, it was all about getting that GPA, your grade point average up. And I tell them now that you're here as a young professional, it's a different type of GPA. It's about mm-hmm. grit, perseverance, and ambition. And those are uh-huh. also things that I know that you have and you're going to do great. So when we go through this process, it's about helping them realize that they have so many really great talents that are innately in them every mm-hmm. single day. And when they use those talents or superpowers, as you call them, and align them to the right company environment, they're going to soar. 95% of our candidates still in their job today. They've been there for two, three years and growing and scaling in wonderful ways. And that's exactly what I wanted. I want you to go into a place where I know you're going to be a rock star and do what you do and be great at it. And I just really love that moment of helping them realize that it's not, it's not you. It's just figuring out like what's the right type of environment that sets you up for success. What are those superpowers that you have and how do we make sure that you're utilizing them every day so that you feel bought in, you feel like you have a, a huge um, contribution to the work, work environment that you're in and that you're a part of something much bigger than yourself. And I think that's something that we're all longing for. The, the passion that comes forth as you talk about this, you know, if people ever had a chance to watch this video, like they would just see you like popping out of your seat as you're talking about this, you light up. And I remember early, early, early versions of this because you and I, we connected a number of times over the last seven years and one of them was when you were at the incubator. And I got to hear your pitch. I got to hear how you were thinking about this and structuring it. And the passion was there then, but now you have evidence. Now you have you have all these client success stories that you can now call upon and really like mm-hmm. showcase that this works. And yeah. I can tell that it's a personal frustration that you were having about being a woman of color in a tech environment and feeling like if you don't find the right fit, it almost like you don't belong anywhere. Like, that, like it's just like these doors are closed to you forever when you've worked so hard to gain the skills, the hard skills, but the culture isn't there or, or people don't feel like they're welcoming you in. And it's funny because on one hand, it feels like there's been a move in the last few years to really make sure to hire diverse talent. Mm. But that, that hiring and making sure there's a culture of inclusion are not the same thing. So mm-hmm. that seems like a real challenge as you're trying to find the right fit. What are some of the ways that you're, you're, you're thinking about that for yourself or for these candidates, this idea of, of inclusion beyond just the hire to make sure that, that it feels good ongoing? Yeah, absolutely. So what we realized when we went back and talked to more of our candidates to say, like, how are things going? Every single one of them, and we were so lucky to have our employer partners that we have, um, but every single candidate said, Melissa, you know, what was unique about this opportunity and what was different is that my hiring manager or my manager now put me on a growth plan Mm. from the moment that I started. And they told me, I believe that you could be the VP of product and here's how we're going to get you here. Here are the mentors that I think are going to be helpful to you. Here are the people that I want you to be talking to on a regular basis. Here are the books that I want you to read. And this is how we're going to get you there. And like literally every candidate had this experience. And I was like, wait, what? Like, I didn't even know this. But unbeknownst to me, they were having these really meaningful conversations about like, what is it that you want? How do you want to get there? And how can I like give you all the resources that you need from their hiring managers? And that was just extremely helpful. And then that was 
exactly kind of how Mike mentored me in many ways. So being able to give that same type of experience to a candidate as they're looking for a new job is amazing. I mean, all of us would want that. Like everybody, everybody would want that kind of being hired and being sort of put on a path to that kind of success and have someone believe in you. Mm-hmm. Like push you out of your comfort zone. It is the ex- mm-hmm. it is the exact story of what you what experienced early on, right? Giving people that opportunity for personal growth. So, what is the challenge? What's the what's the roadblock for you growing your own business? How yeah. how do I ask it that way? Like, because you you've got a proven pa- plan, mm-hmm. you've had success. Mm-hmm. Is it that you've had to hire people to take on pieces that are not yours? Like, are you getting clear on like what parts of this vision are pieces that you really excel at and you need to sort of help build a team that helps you with the other pieces. Like mm. what's been challenging as you, you've, you've kind of grown and grown and grown and grown. Like, and I know you're always striving. So. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I think we're learning a lot from our customers and like, I think some of the things that like when you're going through startup world, you start to learn a lot. Startup world can get crazy very quickly and you can't let one, you can't have an emotional reaction to everything that you see. And I think that is something that I had to learn to be more disciplined about because I take my work so seriously and I know that I'm putting my best best foot forward. And I know that sometimes people are going to make mistakes and things are going to happen. So for me, what I had to realize is that I had to like kind of control how I see things, how I understand things so that I could better be a coach to our team members as we grow and scale. So even though I can see something or I might not agree with everything that the team is talking about, sometimes I have to learn to keep quiet and let (laughs) them experience what's about to happen because I've seen this before. I've been in a startup before. I've seen the pros, the cons, the ugly, the crying moments in the bathroom where people were so stressed out. I've seen all of these and I don't want to, I'm very cautious about the environment that we create here at Tech Connection. And I think for me, um, I really had to learn to not always be as vocal about everything that I see and be more patient mm. um, in terms of wanting them to experience what I think might happen and for them to come to the realizations because just as much as it is my experience, it's theirs too. Um, so yeah. I want to you know, take that moment to observe their behaviors, observe how they go through difficult situations. And I think everybody in our team um, has gone through that um, and, and you know, watch them grow and excel in their own way. And I then- love I just love that your answer, though, is just to interrupt for a second. Your answer is about your own self-reflection, your own personal growth. <laughs> and it's wonderful because you don't have control about all these externals. Right. That's right. And that's what I had to realize. You and like how you react and how you can nurture yourself and, and sustain yourself and give people the space to do the same. Like that's, that's exactly a great oh, leadership. Oh, thank you. And you know, it, it comes from years of reflection of really understanding that. And that was something that I had to do early on in my career was figure out like, what don't I know? And how do I learn just a little bit more about what I don't know? And then leverage that to get me to the next opportunity. So I think when you asked me your question, like, so how do you go about like what's missing from our business to grow on scale? You know, we're actively fundraising. Um, that's been a large part of the work that we're doing. We've done great work. We've built great traction. And to be quite honest, we've done a lot more than most startups have um, in a short amount of time. And, you know, we're really proud of the success that we've had, but it's been extremely difficult going to and explaining this vision to venture capitalists to see that this is a much bigger opportunity. Um, and we've, you know, been combated with like questions of like, is this a scalable model? What 
What's your LTV? What's your cap? And I tossed all these business terms. But quite frankly, I was like, hold on, I got to go look that up. What do you mean by LTV? What do you mean by cap? What do you mean by that? So, you know, I don't have an official MBA. Uh, I went to, you know, undergrad, I studied law, like all these things. So anywho, I'm learning these things as we go along. So I have to spend a lot of time like learning the vernacular about VCs thing. And then really trying to have some really in-depth conversations with VCs being like, listen, you're telling me this is a great idea. Oh, cool. It's a sizable business. You guys are doing well. Why won't you invest in me? Mm -hmm. And I think that's just been, um, you know, a large part of the conversation right now is understanding like, how do I, you know, take off the mask of like, I know every answer and I know everything to like, tell me what's missing from this because you and I like we need to get to the bottom of having a genuine conversation about how do we grow and scale this vision. If you believe it's nice, we're already making money. We're already being profitable. Why aren't you investing in it? Wow. So that's a vulnerable place to be, but also a wonderful way to invite them in to help you be problem solving, to help them then be even more invested, not maybe with funds, but personally invested in, in the, in seeing the success. And then they'll be helping spread the word as well. But it, means you pushing your ego out of the way and that I know everything and I'll figure it out myself. So this actually kind of brings me to the section that I always want to talk about, which is about building relationships. Yeah, sure. So you you clearly had to, my gosh, the range of the kinds of people that you have to relate to in any given week or month um, is quite the stretch. You know, there's like, there's like the people that you've known your whole life and, you know, friends and family. And then there's the people you're meeting in this tech world who don't share a lot of experiences with you. And then there's people who are like VCs who come from entirely different places, you know, and see the world very differently, but yet they're all wanting to see this, this be a success. So how have you thought about uh, the network that you're building? How do you nurture not not just the close ring of people, but like the second and third tier out. Like, how do you how do you keep those people in mind? Do you do you host gatherings? I know you love. I do love, love a good social. <laughs> yeah, I am a bit social, so um, you're right. Like, they are very different groups of people. So, like for me, hosting a Black Tech Boston meetup is my way of getting back in touch with candidates and the core of why I started Tech Connection. Because um, I felt like I didn't have the community. I felt like I didn't have the um, support system. When I was going through these like really great and prestigious tech companies, I was often the only person of color. Um, and there was a time where I would have been like the only female on my team. And I felt like really uncomfortable with that. So when I go to the Black Tech Boston meetup and we host my different companies, um, to me, that's actually like what fills me up time and time again. So like, you know, maybe it's a bit selfish for me, but I love hearing people tell their stories about how they got into tech. Everyone from like a year up student now to sales at car gurus, um, to people that have, you know, gone to gone through MIT and they're software engineers. You're just like, you guys are amazing. And it's just amazing to hear your stories of perseverance that got you here. So for me, that's kind of how I stay grounded in the work that I do. Um, and then when it comes to talking to other people, I do have a circle of friends. Um, and, you know, I, I think, you know, trusted leaders that I go to for advice. Um, and, you know, as I recently went to Israel back in February on a social innovation trip uh, to learn more about social impact in Israel, which is fascinating, you know, um, I, we talk a lot about how lonely this path can be as you're mm-hmm. trying to evolve from one thing to the next. Um, and this idea of lonely leadership that although you have all these people around you and great resources that sometimes it just feels like you're all you're you're taking on so much by yourself 
Um, and that was something that um, really resonated with me. I built a group of advisory board members now. They were always informal, but making it formal, I think, helped uh, move it across the line. You know, I think for me, like I realized that I needed to have other entrepreneurs that were my peers uh, to have conversations with. And then another group of people that were my senior um, that mm-hmm. can tell me like, don't worry about that. You'll be fine with that. No, no, no. This is how you make this move. Um, so I didn't understand how much strategy went into making these things happen. Um, so that's something that's been a really big learning for me is understanding how to move the key players into the right positions to get the goals achieved that you want. So do you have a formal board of advisors then? Yep. No. And it includes both peers and the people who are more senior to you, or are they separate groups? Um, they're separate right now, you know, on our advisory board are more senior individuals that are dedicated yeah. to helping us, you know, think about the business where it is today and where we want it to go. Mm-hmm. Um, and they leverage a lot of their networks to help us grow and scale in the right way. Um, so I have a dedicated advisory board um, that I built. Um, and really, they were honestly mentors that I've been having informal conversations with for years um, that I've always been going back to anyway yeah. for advice, just formalizing it um, and, and, and asking them to help us realize this vision um, has been huge. So, so how did you first, I mean, that's a big step. I, I, and I know you probably did it in the context of having a company, but anybody could apply this skill. I mean, the, the idea of having a personal board of directors versus a business advisory board, um, mm-hmm. very same idea in a lot yeah, of ways. So, I mean, you, you said you had these sort of informal relationships. Um, did you, have you had a formal mentor assigned to you or that you've had, or was it always as people that you just sort of got to know and kept checking in with? Yeah. Um, I never had a formal mentor. Wait, that's not true. Mike, when I was at sample six once gave me a formal mentor because, um, we were going through a transitionary period where Mike knew I loved, um, HR. He wanted me to get mentored and advice from a VP of HR, um, on a consistent basis. So like he invested in me in that way. And that was huge. I'm a cantor who was a VP of HR at British oil and gas. We had wonderful conversations. Um, uh, so like, yes, I've had one formal mentor, but majority of the people, um, that I kept in contact were the people that like, just got your mind excited when you had a Mm. conversation with you and like showed so much enthusiasm and excitement. Um, so for me, you know, I would tell them, um, sometimes like problems just to kind of hear their ideas on like, how would they address something like, I already know how I'm going to handle this and I already know what I'm going to do. But like, you know, we're going through this problem and I'm really not sure. And I love your advice on it. And for me, I'd be more curious about how do they think mm. and what do they see that I didn't see when they were kind of reading through it. So like, um, for me, the line of questioning that a person might ask to understand context and then, um, before then giving like advice on like, what's the best strategy moving forward and what information they wish they wanted to know or based off of what they hear, this is what they think. That is the most um, intriguing time to really get to know someone. So I spent a lot of time just kind of listening and learning and seeing what they would do and seeing how responsive they were to me. And if that felt good and it felt like they were genuinely caring, um, having and fully engaged in a conversation, not looking at their cell phone, not waiting for the minutes to go by, then I kind of kept in touch with them, you know, throughout the years, even if it was just like, let's have breakfast, let's have coffee. Like, I want to hear what's going on in your life. Tell me because they were all in different um, areas of their career. Some of them were chief diversity officers, some of them head of talent acquisition, some of them founders of larger scale two-sided marketplaces. So for me, those conversations were valuable because 
I was learning a little bit about business um, in different ways from them. And I was also learning how to address different challenges. So I was understanding more about their leadership style by the way that they answered questions and how they mentored me. And then I would probably relay that back to my team as well. Wow. See, I didn't actually know the details of what you were going to share, but I knew that you had done something like this because of the the evolution that I've witnessed from afar for the last seven years. But that takes, um, I mean, that takes like a, I guess, an intentionality to to recognize these people are in your life, to to weigh which ones are the ones that are worth kind of staying connected with based on what you just said. Like they're they're engaged with you, mm-hmm. um, they're interested, they're willing to give their time and expertise. And then having like a more social connection. So it's not always you're meeting them in their office with your yeah. three questions. You're like meeting for coffee, you're meeting for breakfast, right. you know them, you're supporting them, you know, exactly. and, and like you make it sound giving, so easy. And like just making like little shout outs for them and like remembering moments. And like, you know, I have to be honest with you that there are some moments and I would like, if we have time, I have one moment that I'd love to share with you, but you know, everybody has a different type of leadership. Um, and you know, I think many of them feel, especially senior executives often feel lonely in their roles because everybody's looking to them to have the answer. And it's like, I don't have anyone to like share anything with. So like some of my favorite clients, customers, mentors, advisors all came from me being like, Hey, I'm just really curious to learn how you think on this. And like, what are some of the things that are going on internally? Like I've learned so much just hearing them talk about like the conversations that they have at the leadership level. Mm-hmm. when it went well and when it didn't go so well. And right. those are been like some of my best mentors and they're like, this is what really happens when everybody walks out of the room and senior leaders are you know, having a conversation. Sometimes it doesn't go the way that you think it would. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, you know, um, it's just been fascinating to really like have those conversations. You know, obviously I don't experience them, but to hear what they, they go through um, was quite, quite fascinating. Yeah. And I think um, in some ways, the best mentors are the ones who are willing to share and coaches, the ones who are willing to share sort of how they're growing and learning. I know that my clients are the same thing. Um, I'm in a, I'm in a paid mastermind. And one of the people in my mastermind was observing that me sharing how I have been like moving through my own business journey Mm -hmm. was for her the best proof that I'm a great coach. Really? (laughs) And I was like, that's so interesting. She's like, well, I'm seeing like the raw, how Robbie thinks. Right. And it makes me think, well, if you are doing this for yourself and you're able to sort of see it and say it, well, then you could help other people. That's right. Such a great reflection. You're saying that's who you look for. The people to mentor you are the people who not are just like living life, but they're able to examine it and talk about it and and walk you through their own experience so that you can learn a little bit from it and share in it um, ups and downs. So what a, what a great example of, of sort of the kinds of relationships that can be developed. Your meetup is a great, you've been doing that for a while and that's a yeah. you know, great thing to have because um, like you said, it keeps you grounded. It mm-hmm. probably gives you a little pipeline into new mm-hmm. prospects to come into your own business and to get sure. support from you. And it gives them a place to congregate and find each other. That's right. So that there's less of a loneliness factor in like even who they are in the world and how they, what they want to be doing. They're like, oh, there are people like me, you know? Oh my gosh, totally. And like, you know, it's so funny. We were just at Cargurus um, a couple months ago and they split us up into two different groups and said like, you know, everybody got there, um, you start networking and then they say, hey, 
you know, everybody go into different groups. We're going to go on different tours. So there was like four different groups going around and I was walking and, you know, chatting with my group. There was like 10 or 15 people. And then across the way on the other side of the hall was like another group walking by. And I was like, whoa, those are other people like me. And I was like, wait, those are our other attendees. Just kidding. Like, it just took me a second to like realize that like this could be their everyday experience of seeing a group of, and we had over 75 people come to this meetup. You know, um, it could be their everyday experience seeing a large conglomerate of people that look like them. And then same space, I think for me, I still have that reaction of like, wait, there's another like, black person that works here. Oh my God, this is amazing. Like, I want to be your friend. Like, can I chat with them? How am I going to bring this up? And then, you know, being able to host a meetup when we were just walking around car gurus, I was like, wait, there's another 20 of them. Like, where are we all going? I want to hang out with you. Yeah. <laughs> wow. I mean, it, it sort of, it sort of calls to, to the forefront, the need for us to keep like building these inclusive spaces where people can both, both see someone like themselves, meet people that they otherwise wouldn't have. That's how I always define diversity when, you know, you and I kind of know each other also through socializing for justice, the meetup group yeah. that I ran for 11 years. But, you know, we always thought like, it's not, it's not enough to just see people who are like yourself because you have to feel engaged in the bigger picture. And right. I think one of the things that I've realized it's kind of hard when people talk about diversity is that, you know, there's the race diversity question, right? And like you can sort of visually usually see that. But then there's the how you sort of what you bring into the world and what you, how you see yourself. So you're, you're a technologist. You're a, you're a techie. You're like, I want to be in this world. And I don't know if people would see that. And like, you're like, where are my people? And so you're like, it's not just like, where are other black women? Right. Totally. <laughs> where are other people that are like, get me? And if there are black women who also get what I do, that's even better. But right. like finding that blend, which is what's so wonderful about what you're creating is people can find them, themselves and other people in all aspects, not just like the checkmark kind, which I think is right. how we often approach mm-hmm. this. Um, and it seems like you've been really working with these HR departments to help them think about the hiring practice and that they're now giving great opportunities, tracks for success. I, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I don't know. I'm almost like awed by what you've accomplished. It's, it's no. really a phenomenal push forward. It's been an important problem. You've tackled it head on. Um, I want to, I want to ask you a question. It's my favorite wrap up question. Um, so if, if you and I are connecting again a year from now, which I'm sure we will be, mm-hmm. and we're, we're toasting all of the success you've had in the previous year, I want to know what we're going to be celebrating. Oh, wow. That is such a great question. A year from now? Um, well, I would hope that we'd have some more funding so we can add some more people to our team, for sure. Um, I think that we'd be toasting to a new office in San Francisco. Um, I would be turning 31. Um, so I would be hopefully toasting to another year of good health, wealth, and happiness. And, oh man, a year from now, my nephew will be in college. So uh, hopefully toasting to him staying in college uh-huh. and finishing his freshman year. Because I think that's going to be a very exciting trip for him uh, to go through. And hopefully some more trips. I always yeah. have to travel quite a bit. Um, so my goal is to get to four new countries every year. So hopefully you can talk a little bit about that and the new cultural experiences that I get to go on. Um, so if I were to, you know, toast to, you know, one year of growth and happiness, it would be to like another year of good health, another year of, um, you know, 
more meaningful time with my family. Um, I think, you know, when I reflect back on so much time that I spent on building our business, which I love and adore, um, I realize how important it is to have these conversations and stay really connected mm. because the work will always be there, but those relationships will change if you don't nurture them. Mm. Um, and I think that's something that uh, I learned a lot. Um, and I've seen some people do that really well. And some people kind of let things fall to the wayside, but nurturing relationships, I think, um, of all things that I have on my to-do list are ones that I enjoy the most. Well, I can't wait to connect again with you to toast to all of that. It sounds amazing. Yeah. The San Francisco office sounds amazing. The fact that you have the intention of going to four new countries every year, amazing. Thank you. Um, and, I, and the funding is going to happen. So no, no maybe, no ifs. Yes, let it be. Let the universe hear the funding is happening. Um, this is really, really exciting stuff. So I want to know how can people find you and follow your work? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So you can go to our website, thetechconnectioninc.com. Um, if you're ever looking for career advice or looking for a new job, you can go through our process and kind of experience what that's like. And then um, you can always go to melissajames.co, my personal website, uh, where you can get some more tips on um, career development, diversity, um, and inclusion in tech. And um, you can always reach out to me on all social media. I have the same handle, the miss james 126 reach out to me tweet me i'm always happy to chat more um, i love when people ask me questions about their career believe it or not i never get tired of answering them um, i think it's fun to talk about it i'm the crazy person or crazy friend um, that if you ever came to me and said hey melissa i need to have a session with you and i need you to plan my next career moves for me i am like so game for that so feel free to reach out. Always happy. That's awesome. Well, I hope a lot of people do. And they I'll put all actually. those. Oh, trust me. <laughs> they follow up. I'll have all the links in the show notes at ontheschmooze.com. Melissa, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Melissa. Such a pleasure to speak with her and learn about her leadership journey. What is your key takeaway from our conversation? Something you'll put into action this week that you'll benefit from for years to come. Share what resonated with you in the show notes at ontheschmooze.com. Look for episode 116. That's also where you'll find all the links and resources from today's episode. And as I mentioned earlier, the next cohort for the More program for entrepreneurial women begins in January. It's a six-month program to help you take your business to the next level through relationship-based strategies. The early bird offer expires on December 15, so check out the details at robbysamuels.com forward slash more, and then let's find a time to chat so we can figure out whether working together will give you the clarity and strategy you're seeking. Are you interested in one-on-one -on -one coaching? I offer a few different options. Reach out and we can schedule a complimentary chat to see how I can help you. If you enjoyed this episode with Jennifer, please share it with your friends and don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss next week's show. Remember, subscribing is always free. Are you a fan? That's awesome. I'd love to read your review on Apple Podcasts. It's easy to find our page at itunes.ontheschmooze.com. Thank you in advance and I look forward to connecting again next week when I'll be interviewing another talent professional about their untold stories of leadership and networking. We'll explore their career challenges, work-life balance, and how they built a strong professional network on their way to becoming successful leaders. Until then, have an amazing week.
Thanks for listening to On the Schmooze podcast at www.ontheschmooze.com. That's On the Schmooze, S-C-H-M-O-O-Z-E. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.